Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We're looking at the Psalms, at what David and other psalmists wrote about God and seeing what we can learn from him, how God reveals his character, his nature, how he feels towards us through these words, Colin. And we're in Psalm 10 today. And there's some wonderful, wonderful news here for any of you that are going through a time of trouble. In verse 12, we read this, Arise, Lord, lift up your hand, O God, Do not forget the helpless. Why does the wicked man revile God? Why does he say to himself, he won't call me to account? But you, O God, do see trouble and grief. You consider it to take it in hand. The victim commits himself to you. You are the helper of the fatherless. I mean, this is wonderful, isn't it? You see... The hand of the Lord is mighty. So David says, lift up your hand, O God. Do not forget the helpless. You you know, there are times, I think, when we all feel helpless, don't we? We feel that, that, you know, life is just too much or the problem is too much, the difficulty is too great, whatever the situation may be. And uh, uh, David is saying, uh, well, God does not forget the helpless. His hand is mighty to save. Yes, there will always be the wicked that reviles him, who think that uh, he's not accountable to anyone. But those of us that know him, we know the Lord sees those who are in trouble and grief, even when that trouble and grief is caused by those who oppose what God wants. But he, he considers, he considers our trouble and our grief to take it in hand. He, he doesn't just sort of watch over us and say, oh, the poor things, they're, they're going through such terrible trouble. Oh, I do feel sorry for them. No, he watches over the grief and the trouble to take it in hand. Now, the victim of, of whatever, of the trouble, the grief, the sorrow, uh, the, the, the affliction, the victim commits himself to you. Now, this is the important thing, you see. You place yourself, not, not, not just the need, not just the problem, but you place yourself in the Lord's hands. And that hand is mighty to save. That hand is mighty to deliver. That hand is mighty to take you out of the affliction into his best plans and purposes. So the victim commits himself to the Lord, and you are the helper, even of the fatherless, even of the one who has no one else to help him. You know, children always turn to their human father, don't they, when they have a need? Because the father is the the, the symbol of strength in my life. When you're very young, you think your father is capable of doing anything. Um, but, you know, even for the fatherless, Um, God is their helper. And then in verse 16, the Lord is king forever and ever. 
The nations will perish from his hand. But you hear, O Lord, the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry, defending the fatherless and the oppressed in order that man who is of the earth may terrify no more. You see, this is, this is God. It's talking about the nature of God. He is the one who, who hears the desire of the afflicted. Whatever is afflicting you, whether it's sickness, whether it's some other need, whether it's opposition, rejection, he hears, he hears, he hears, he hears, he hears. That, you know, it, there, there's a scripture in the New Testament that says, if we know that he hears us, we know that we receive of him whatever we ask. And, and this is, this is how, what we all need to believe about God, that when we cry out to him in our need, when we lay ourselves before him, when we put ourselves into his hands, he hears us, he listens to the cry, he defends the fatherless and the oppressed. It doesn't matter how heavy, how, how, how much opposition of the enemy or, 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 or how it seems that life is falling apart, he is there to defend, he is there to, to take you out of that struggle and of that calamity into a revelation of his love, of his grace, of his mercy, of his deliverance, of his healing, of whatever it is he needs. Oh, what a mighty God. You must have seen many situations where God has helped practically in this way, because these aren't just empty words, are they? No, no. I mean, I spent my whole life seeing God radically transform people's lives, taking them out of positions of despair, out of uh, uh, addiction and, and alcoholism, out of uh, out of depression and uh, where people are suicidal. And I've seen God not, not just deal with the problem, but transform those lives completely so that they become people with meaning and purpose and direction who realize that, that although at one time they may have had no sense of self-worth whatsoever, now they have a self-worth. Now they realize how much God loves and cares for them. It's just wonderful the way in which God transforms lives. Sometimes he does it through other people. He does it through a whole variety of means. Uh, it's not for us to tell God how he is to answer our need. It is for us to believe that he will answer that need. And, and that's the important thing. You, you see, um, if we look in verse 12, verse 5, uh, sorry, uh, Psalm 12, verse 5. Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like re silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. O Lord, you will keep us safe and protect us from such people forever. It's amazing, you see. If you put your trust in the Lord, he will protect you. So in Psalm um, 13, we, we, we read in, in verse 5, I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good for me. 
good to me. And then in Psalm 14, verse 2, the Lord looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek after God. You see, this is the point. He is ready to do all these great and wonderful things in our lives, but it is for us to seek him. It is for us to entrust ourselves to him. It is for us to to believe that he will fulfill his promises and he will answer us when we cry out to him in faith. It's interesting because we started this week with a psalm that describes God watching over us. So here we read that he's looking down from heaven and looking for those who are looking to him. Yes, and you know, in Psalm, the beginning of Psalm 15, David asks the question, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? I mean, who's going to live close to you so that when they're in these problems and uh, when, when they feel they can't cope, they know that they're heard and they know that they're able to answer? And, and uh, David asks, answers his own question under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, obviously. Uh, who, who is the one who, who dwells in the sanctuary of God, who lives on his holy hill? Those whose walk is blameless and who does what is right, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. Now, you see, this is not only the answer to being in a place of affliction, but this is how actually God can protect us from so many of the things that otherwise could beset our lives. There's this tremendous sense, you see, that what God wants is for us to walk close to him, to know him, to love him, and to know his love and care and compassion and concern for us. And and uh, what David understands is the way in which you treat others is going to depend upon your relationship with God and, and is going to actually determine what kind of a relationship with God. So the one who really seeks to walk in righteousness will speak the truth of God from his heart. He will speak the truth over his own life. He will declare what God says about him. He won't, he won't look at the problems and his fears and all the negativity, but he will speak the truth. And he will speak the truth over his circumstances. He will speak the truth over those around. He won't slander other people. He won't judge them. He won't criticize them. He won't pull them down. He won't cast a slur upon his fellow man, as the scripture says. He doesn't despise even vile people, but he honors those who fear the Lord. You know, he, he wants to, to honor those who really love and serve God. He wants, he wants to hang out with those who are seeking to, to walk in righteousness. Not, not that he will avo- avoid being a witness to sinners, but he knows he has to be built up and encouraged in the truth. And, and you see, this is the point. This righteous man is the one who gives and gives and gives and gives to others. And, you know, the measure we give is the measure we get back. And God is wanting to pour his gifts, his mercy, his love, his grace, his healing, his power into our lives day by day by day. And he says, okay, walk with me, trust me, love me. Give to those around you. Bless them. Seek to encourage them because the measure you give will be the measure that you get back. Interesting that this has so much to say about uh, what we say. 
The words that we use. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your your mouth, as I've often said on these programs, your your mouth will get you into trouble, or it will get you out of trouble. Um, Jesus said that uh, I think one of the most awesome things he said is that we will be judged for every careless word we've spoken. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to speak careless words that put me under any kind of judgment. I want to speak the word of truth over my life. I want to speak the word of truth over the lives of others around me. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 